You're listening to the EFC Podcast. When I think of youth ministry in Canada, I tend to think of Sid Coop. Sid has been involved in full-time youth ministry for more than 20 years. With all kinds of youth ministry experience in his background, Sid found it Truth Matters with the mission to help the next generation see and experience the truth of Jesus Christ. Today, he's the executive director, and they run eight youth worker training conferences across Canada each year called the Canadian Youth Workers Conference. Sid is also a popular speaker to students, youth workers, and parents at conferences, retreats, and events across the country. Sid is also a dad and a guy who loves camp. I'm Karen Stiller, and I spoke to Sid about youth ministry in a time of COVID-19. Sid offers some valuable help to youth pastors and to parents and shares his heart about camp. We hope you enjoy this interview. So Sid, as someone who works with youth, who uh, I know you're a dad, you have youth in your life, and you're working with youth ministries across Canada, I guess my first question is, how do you think youth are doing during this weird COVID-19 time? Yeah, you know what? I think it's actually quite... Um, so my experience, I'm going to speak anecdotally from my experience right now, and that's, uh, that's the question you asked. I think it's, I think it's varied. Um, Karen, so you know, uh, and there's a number of of things that contribute to the nature. So, you know, when we're thinking of of kids who you know saw going to school, saw going to sports activities, those sorts of things, as a way to escape a difficult situation, these are really hard times, like really yeah. hard times. And I know, like, um, youth youth ministry experts are continuing to try to figure out how to work, especially with those kids that are really at, in at-risk environments. And, and it's difficult because it's hard to know how to engage them and how to create space that's safe for them and help in that journey. It, it's hard to access. We're in a season where it's really hard to access. I think for kids who have come from like fairly healthy, stable environments, um, this is a season that's like, uh, what would I say? Boring. It, it's boring. They're, yeah. they're, you know, it's it's an inconvenience in those ways. Um, so so there's there's that place. I look at my boys. I think my boys find themselves in that kind of space. There's a there's a real longing for community, but especially for boys. And Karen, you know, my home is full of boys. They've been experiencing online community, especially through like their video game platforms, for quite a while. And so they're still engaged in that type of community. And for you know certain kids. Kids, that's that's a really great space for them to in, in, enjoy that. But there's certainly something that's missing that's significant about proximal physical relational space, and so so there is a miss on that. Um, and then and then you know you, you know we have we have kids who are who are actually grieving, so they've lost something significant in this time. Kids who are graduating who have lost that opportunity. Kids who've been involved in different activities. So there's there's actually a grieving space and uh, and almost a reordering of or um, there's like an identity formation journey that's happening and and trying to re-understand that and so it's almost like um, it's almost like a more intense uh, focus on the adolescent journey that's taking place for them in terms of understanding who they are understanding significance understanding community all these kinds of things has just been really magnified in this time so I think it's 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 all over the place. I know, Karen, like a lot of experts are deeply concerned about the mental health of young people, and we should be. I think um, a lot of that concern comes because we've seen some trending in certain research that suggests mental health is not trending in the right direction for this generation of young people that we're working with. 
And of course, you, you know, there's, there's things that contribute to, to the healthy young person in the sense, you know, and that's like physical activity are basics on that. Um, relationships and engaging in community are really important to that sort of thing. Being a part of, of purpose, serving others, et cetera, et cetera. And this time has just made accessing those realities more difficult for, so for some kids, it's made this an even uh, much more significant difficult difficult time when it comes to their mental health in particular. So, yeah. so Karen, I think it ranges. I think we should be concerned, and um, and I think that we need to really. So, here's something interesting, Karen. When this thing first started, um, most youth workers were thinking, okay, we have to put in place some stopgap measures because we've got like two or three weeks where things are out of whack, and we're going to have to, you know, reorder ourselves, and then we can go back to what was normal. I think we've come to the conclusion that we're engaged in a new normal. And so we have to strategize in new ways now and be thinking long-term reality. And so, uh, you know, we're really in this phase of really trying to understand what does it look like to journey with kids in a new reality? Those are the questions that we're trying to answer right now. Uh, I'll tell you, Sid, when you talked about youth in high-risk situations, I'm embarrassed to admit that hadn't even occurred to me. I, I, so I, I see that that would be incredibly important for youth pastors, you know, or if they have contact with those kids to be thinking about. And, and the whole um, gaming reality and the social uh, media, digital communities our kids are a part of, that... Um, that is so important. And we have a 19 year old here. And when his, his PS4 actually died a week or two ago, and I thought, Oh no, <laughs> like if there was one thing that could have made this worse uh, for that son, it's that to not have that access to his friends. So yeah, oh, it's such yeah. a complicated uh, time. And, you know, also like who in, as a teenager wants to be quarantined with their parents? Like I, oh. <laughs> it's just so painful for them. And I, I totally uh, can see that and appreciate that in our own kids. So, yeah. And you know, what's really fascinating about that too, Karen. So different kids at different stages, right? So our oldest son just came back from college. So we know reintegration into the home after you've experienced the freedom of college is difficult right. at the best of times. Exactly. Well, now we're locked into, like you said, confined space. We're having a hard time finding a job and we can't connect with our buddies you know, outside of their digital platforms. And so, you know, we're all relearning parenting. We're all relearning how to function in closed spaces. And there's all sorts of unique pressures and tensions in all of our journeys based upon the stage of development that our kids are at as well. So what a what a unique time this is, Karen. So unique. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I have thought, and I may be fooling myself, and all the parents of toddlers out there, please forgive me, but it has gone through my mind that I would be much better at this as a parent if my kids were like three, five, and seven. <laughs> it would just be much clearer to me what I need it to do. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I mean, uh, and again, in the best of times, we're scrambling. Like with our oldest son, we're always in a stage that we've never been before. And so it's a real high learning experience. And so we're all there, Karen. Like we're yeah. all really trying to figure this out as we go. Absolutely. So Sid, you mentioned the new normal of, uh, you know, youth ministry. Uh, that, and that makes me think that you're saying we're going to see some permanent changes here. Tell me, tell me about what you're thinking when you say that. 
Okay, so here's how I kind of perceive what's taking place. I think, um, I think, Karen, when this first happened, you know, uh, we, I, my experience was two types of responses. Okay, let's put everything on pause until this blows over, and then we can re-engage ministry. The other, the other response was, you know, kind of the early adapters, uh, the people who are innovative and and love kind of working within chaos uh, to be, to to create structure. They moved online right away with their youth ministries, and and what they what what the original movement seemed to be, and again the the timelines are fast, like everything moved really fast, which is really interesting to kind of reflect on. The first move was was how do we put our content online, and so that happened. People kind of re up their social media game. They started building like their YouTube channels, and they were really trying to push content online that kids could access. And the idea I think was, hey, kids are online; they're going to be online more now. Let's give them good content for them to, to engage while they're online. And so that was that's what I saw as the first movement. And then what happened is right away, youth workers realized, oh, okay, probably a little longer than we first thought. And you know we've got the content. And initially that was kind of neat and kids were engaging it. But how do we actually now start filling the gap for community? We know that's such a deep, significant need. How do we create communal connection? And so then they started shifting to platform and Zoom was the primary platform, the most popular that people went to. And that's when they started to really think through how do we build community, communal experiences, activities, Bible studies, small group on the Zoom platform. And people moved there really quick. What was really exciting, um, Karen, is in the youth worker world, there was lots of sharing going on and it was like real-time sharing. So yesterday we did this. So, you know, we gathered like 80 youth workers from across the country and just started doing idea sharing as things were happening in real time. Really exciting, really fun. So people moved there quick. Okay. I'm assuming that you did that on Zoom or some equivalent platform, like you were gathering leaders together across the country, you know, on a, on a big Zoom platform. Is that what you did? Yeah. So for those of us who had, you know, you know, our organization is, is designed around being decentralized and connecting broadly. So, you know, for us, we were there, of course. And so we were able to, you know, we were gathering people and other organizations and, and youth workers had played in it. And now people just did a deep dive. And so- You know, for us, what happened was like we had Facebook communities already up and online. Our podcast was up and online. So we were able to push information to people pretty quick. And there was a number of other organizations doing the same thing. And then those organizations started to collaborate to bring kind of their networks into spaces together. Got and it. that was a that was a great phase. And um, and one of the things we saw too that took place, um, Karen, and we, we we saw this happen not just in youth ministry, but I think broader, is that all of the sudden engagement moved from a one event once per week to an everyday type of experience. And so youth workers were thinking, okay, how do I engage my kids every day? Because they're a captive audience now and they're present. And so youth workers started thinking that. So we had our regular youth night. That was awesome. But then there was also all these other types of elements that were taking place. Okay. Let me ask a question there, Seth. So when putting yourself in the mind of that youth worker wanting to engage with the kid uh, uh, on a daily basis, is that it's the posture of the youth worker to sort of serve and care for the young person, or are they thinking teaching, evangelizing, you know, right. e- equipping? Like, what is their posture? Yeah, great, excellent. So, I th- I think Karen, at the beginning, it was you know serving, engaging, and this is what's led to this next phase now in my mind. 
So the next phase of Healthy Youth Ministries is all of a sudden, again, there was this new realization, hey, this isn't just like a two, three-week reality. We could be in this for a long time. Okay, so now what we're seeing is youth ministries are working backwards. They're taking a look at their you know, current strategic plan that they have in place. So onboarding kids who don't know Christ, going deeper with kids who do know Christ and equipping kids to start using their gifts and skills and abilities to serve others. So you're looking at your strategic kind of plan and models that you've used up to this place. What's our purpose? What's our mission? They're looking at um, their primary relational relationships that they have to steward. So parents, volunteer youth workers, students in their ministry, students outside their ministry. And they're looking at their values of the organization and they're starting to restructure now. So now they're starting to think missionally. Okay, what does our, it's no longer how do we take our current model and move it online? It's how do we create a new model to pursue our mission most effectively for the foreseeable future? And, okay. and, and what's really exciting about this, Karen, is I think that youth ministries are A, like becoming uh, really intentional and thoughtful in this time, maybe in ways they haven't for a while. We, you know, we've been plus, press play, press repeat every week, and now we're forced to think really intentionally, strategically. So I love that. And we're learning lots of things that we think could allow us to broaden our impact even when the season ends. And so, you know, I realize that there's so many things about this time that are difficult and hard and reflect brokenness and all, you know, and and all those things. But this is also a space where innovation, recreation is, you know, intentionality is starting to happen as well. And and I'm excited uh, for the results of that kind of movement also. Yeah, I would love to hear if you have them top of mind. And if you don't, it's okay. But um, some of the more like creative uh, responses you've seen out there amongst youth ministries, like when I imagine all this stuff happening digitally, I actually think, well, there's, there's a limit like there, I, I imagine a list of 20 things you could do online, and then it would be, that would be the end of it. But I'm sure that's because I I'm not creative in youth ministry, but <laughs> so tell me some of the great stuff you're seeing. Just a couple of examples, if you can. Yeah, so just a couple of things that I think are really cool. You know, so for instance, we work with the church out of Moncton, and when Moncton went online, and, and they were really early on, and 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 they created a whole design around it. They onboarded their volunteers really fast, and then what happened is they started reaching out to kids in their database that they hadn't seen for a little while. Do you know what I mean? And so they they made you know, they made phone calls and made connections. And all of a sudden these kids where, you know, I was told the story of this one situation where the family had gone through a difficult season. They'd split. The child had moved with another parent outside of kind of the space where she could connect with her youth ministry. And all of a sudden now there was this great opportunity to re-engage that community and experience the support and care of that environment that had been really important for her. And so you see that kind of redemptive reality taking place, which is so cool. You, you know, you see kids inviting their friends into their spaces to introduce them to like their small group leader or their mentor um, or their, you know, their their youth worker uh, broadly. And so there's this kind of opportunity where, where many of the barriers to integration have been removed that allow for easier connection to happen. So that sort of thing really excites me a lot. I love, I love hearing those kinds of stories where, we're, you know, we're seeing, you were seeing youth workers be creative in actually going out to kids. So, you know, engaging in great social distancing, staying in their vehicle, doing something fun across their yard. 
And what happens, Karen, is kids can't help but be aware of the effort and intentionality that's happening in those moments. And so it actually has a deep impact in the life of a child that's greater than what they would normally experience because of just some of the ways of being that we take for granted. So those types of things really excite me. Um, Organizations like Alpha have moved online. And so they're figuring out how to do like, I mean, Youth Alpha has been a really significant part of the youth ministry context for the last three years, plus, plus, but really over the last three years. And they've continued to think innovatively, like, how do we continue to reach kids who don't know Jesus with the reality of the gospel, even in times like these? And um, Karen, I think, you know, I think, and so I love the work they're doing, because here's what I think. I think we figured out how to get content to our kids that are already inside the circle. I think we've figured out how to gather our kids right now inside our circle. And now we're really starting to figure out how do we connect with the kids that God has placed in our communities that we need to bring into our circle. And and that's kind of this next phase of thinking that we're wrestling with as well. Yeah. I, I need to ask, do you have a gong in your house? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that was my um, that was my patio door. So I'm sitting oh, okay. on my deck, okay. and one of my children has arisen, and uh, and so they always uh, stick their head in. And to be honest, Karen, you'll understand this. Ninety five percent of the time, uh, my kids enter the room in the midst of me on one of these types of calls these days, engaged yes. in the conversation. So that's just what we're we get it. We all you. get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm in my kitchen, and I just had a a dump a dumpling making session going on behind me. So, um, Sid, you mentioned uh, the collaboration and everybody idea sharing, and I really I really love that. Are you seeing um, maybe the beginnings of connections that you hope will carry on? You know, when the situation ends, uh, oh, that yeah. kind of strength building in the movement. Yeah, you know what I think. So here's what I, Karen. Great question. I think what we're seeing is a building on what what already had started. Um, so I, you know, I think over the last number of years in the Canadian, you, you know, youth ministry community, I personally have experienced more collaboration than I'd, I'd I've experienced before. And when I talk to some of the youth workers who have gone before me, they're saying, "Hey, there's a pretty new movement where we're seeing youth workers function to what we would call low ego, high trust. We lower our own ego, we raise our trust." And we, we get to um, be involved in synergistic work beyond our organizational boundaries for the sake yeah. of the kingdom. That's I actually helpful that. for our own organization. So we love that. We're thrilled. Yeah. And what I think we're seeing is an amplification of that. We're seeing, you know, because the need is high and, um, and people are really open-handed in this time. So, you know, what I'm observing and personally experiencing is, is simply the network growing and in some exciting ways. So here's an example, Karen, like we gather Friday mornings at 9 a.m. And, uh, and, and we just have a prayer call. It's a half hour. We, uh, we invite youth workers from across the country to come join us on our Zoom platform. And we did this in partnership with Alpha. So it's really fun together. And we, you know, we ask like five or so different people from across the country just to lead out prayer. We do that together. We'll break into small groups and pray quickly. And then we'll end with the Lord's Prayer together. But we're just bringing the needs of our nation for the next generation into that space. And I, like, I just haven't been a part of a consistent prayer movement like that before. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled by, you know, what this moment has afforded us. Really, really thankful for it. 
You know, it really strikes me like when you were talking also about youth um, ministers taking the time to contact youth who might have slipped out of the circle, um, that there is like our the way we're doing things is high tech because we have to. But what we're doing feels slower and, you know, even old fashioned, you know, calling youth or reaching out to people who, you know, I've been speaking with pastors who've been just working their way through their church list, calling the members. And uh, it just strikes me. It's this sort of beautiful coming together of what could be like old fashioned, you know, carried out in a high tech way. Yeah. You know, you know what, Karen, you're absolutely right. And, and here's the reality, like our, our needs as human beings, our core desires and longings don't change. And, uh, and, you know, we all ask ultimate questions, but sometimes, you know, they're there, but we can avoid them. We get busy with lots of other things. Uh, we distract ourselves with this false idea of control, um, you know, and those sorts of things. And this is a season where now we're all coming face to face with the most important questions in our, in our lives and in our being. And we're looking for answers. People are actively looking for answers. So when, when, when ministers and youth workers and, and organizations, you know, care and reach out, there's, there's a, there's a deeper embracing that's happening because we can't, we can't avoid the questions now. They're just right in front of us. And so we're looking for answers. So I think it's exciting, Karen. I'm thankful for it again. Um, you're right. The phone calls make an impact. Actually, you know, there's a humanness to that reality and, and it's, it's, it's engaging us in a deep way. So Absolutely, Karen. And and again, we have people doing great work at this time. And and this is this is not a time, you know, when the church uh you know cocoons or pulls back. This is where we step forward. Like this is we have been called to a time such as this. And um and we need to move forward trusting that God is going with us and before us, that he will give us wisdom, inspiration, and we get to lean into the lives of people in their deepest needs. You know, and, and we, 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 we haven't experienced this before, but that's obvious. That's clear. There's mm-hmm. been tragedies that are terrible that many have experienced that are worse than now. I don't want to belittle that. We've been through world wars, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a, there's a pause that's taken place here where people are trying to, um, take stock of kind of who they are, where they are, and we get a chance to come in and, and meet people in their deepest needs. And I just go, what a what a privilege and an honor it is to to be in this space um, in the roles that we've been given, Karen. Very thankful for that. Yeah. Well, I love that way of looking at it. It's because it is hard, at least at the beginning, it was very difficult to figure out how to be church uh, when when the things that we would normally do, the physical reaching out and pulling in and giving and taking care um, could not happen. And so it's very hopeful for me to hear you put you know, it's such a positive, not, not a spin. I know you're not putting a spin on it, but interpreting it in that positive, beautiful way, like that we might actually come out of this stronger and more intact. Karen, you know, my, my vision of who God is and his calling in our lives says that is absolutely true. And so there is always like, again, he is always at work in redemptive ways and he has designed the body of Christ um, to to bring um, to bring what do I want to say the redemptive way into people's lives around us to bring the kingdom way, and so again we're just in a season where people are more open 
you know, are looking for answers to the questions that we all have, but just haven't always been willing or felt like we needed to ask. And so I, I do think th- this is where the body of Christ should shine the brightest. We really should shine the brightest. And so Karen, this is just one thing. And I, and I think the Lord's been pressing this on my heart quite a bit, just heading into the summer. So, you know, my wife is the executive director of Green Bay Bible Camp, and uh, we work with, with camp workers a lot as well. They're such an important part of the youth worker community, of course. Here's my concern. Karen, for the last, you know what, 75 to 100 years in our country, every summer for the month of July and August, every single day, literally thousands and thousands of children both hear and experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. It looks like this summer, um, that's not going to take place in the way that we have historically known it. You know, it's it, maybe the Lord will choose to open things up and we can gather in the ways that we have in the past. But, you know, as someone who's trying to forecast and plan and strategize, that's probably not going to be the case. So what's weighing really heavy on my heart is is just going, Lord, how are you going to fill that gap? Like there's just, there's just few places where we get a chance to love and care for kids who are unchurched or not part of the faith community with the love of Jesus Christ that's so transforming. And I think it's one of our most powerful tools that God has given us in the country for shaping the spiritual climate of our country. And so I'm just going, okay, Lord, you say you're going to build your church. This is what you do. We want to be a part of trying to understand how to fill that gap that could potentially exist. And I'm thrilled. Like camp workers are thinking innovatively right now. They're trying to figure out what virtual camp looks like, what partnerships look like with other people to more effectively engage kids who find camp to be such a wonderful, transforming, restoring, renewing space. And and that, Karen, is the place where I know my heart is leaning a lot and just, just going, Lord, um, how do you? How do we fill that gap? How would you have us be? What would you have us do? And I, I think that's something that the community needs to continue to be really praying about. And um, and and I would love to just just call us into that space for the for the next generation. Really, that that's where my heart is as I lean towards the summer. Yeah, I I agree, Sid. Like camp, Christian camp has been a huge part of of our family's life and our children's spiritual lives, and um, you know, attending and then serving and leading. And uh, I mean, that is uh, that is a, a heartbreak place right now as we think about the summer. And I I I stand with you, knowing that God can you know take this on too and and solve this. But it is a a, a a moment to lament a little bit how it may look so different because yeah, there's nothing like camp. There's just nothing like camp. Oh man, I know. So, so again, uh, again, uh, because of, and, and this is the time Karen for us to renew our vision of mm-hmm. who Jesus is and, and the character of God and how he's been at work and how he will continue to be at work. We have much hope. We, tr- we trust that. That's where we continue to lean. But he calls us to pray. And it's through prayer that his power is activated. And so um, and so this is where we continue to pray. Yeah, I love it. Well, Sid, why don't we, uh, I'm just going to like throw you on the spot here, uh, surrounded by the chaos of your young people and all that stuff, and just uh, ask you to end us out then um, by leading us in prayer for that. Oh, man, I'd love to. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Father, um Lord, I thank you um, for the two realities that you are like transcendent. You are above everything. Like you are infinitely wise, infinitely powerful, infinitely good. You're not surprised by the circumstances we're in. They haven't handcuffed you. 
You're not um, wondering how you could possibly respond to this. You know, like you already know, you are already working. Your word is so clear on this truth. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your power. Thank you for your transcendence. But I also thank you, Lord, for your presence, that you are here with us in the journey. You understand, you care, you are actively engaged. And um, and I'm so thankful for both of those realities. So, Lord, you know the issues that we're dealing with right now. You know the kids who are in spaces that are struggling mentally and emotionally, even physically. Father, I pray that they would experience your presence, that they would um, find ways of renewal, of care. Uh, Father, in those moments that somehow you would bring the right people in the right time and the right way to journey with them. I pray for leaders of our various organizations that you would give them wisdom on how to think strategically about the mission that you have called them to. Lord, provide the resources that they need to do what you're asking them to do. Your word says that that's true, so provide the faith to trust that. Uh, And then, Father, for the things that we we just don't have a vision for yet. And for me, I think of the summer, and I think of so many lives that are so powerfully impacted in camps, Lord. And, And I just wonder, Father, how will you choose to replace that space? Um, again, um, we ask that you would renew our heart, especially for young people who who don't know you, that experience your love and your care in those spaces. Um, we ask that you give us wisdom to know how to reach, engage, and, and, and love well if we don't have that space. Um, Father, and we ask that you would really lead in that. Uh, and then, Lord, I, I pray that you would stop, that you would stop this. I pray... Um, Father, that um, that the brokenness that is being experienced right now in creation, the groaning that is happening, that that you would stop it, and we could uh, experience a renewal in this, um, your redemptive work, Father, that you would restore, Lord, and that in your restoring work, uh, people would become aware of you that it's you that is restoring. And that is you that is recreating. And so I ask, Lord, that that you would, would do that, we pray. And so um, I love you, Jesus. And I thank you that you are with us and you are going before us. And we trust you. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sid. Yeah, you're so welcome, Karen. What, what, hey, this is a real privilege and honor for me. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.